Welcome to Nature Centered, a podcast from Wild Birds Unlimited about feeding the birds and enjoying nature right in your own backyard. Here are your hosts, naturalist John Schaust and Brian Cunningham. Hi everyone, I'm John Schaust. And I am Brian Cunningham. And welcome to episode number 38 of our Nature Centered podcast. Unbelievable! We're going to revisit today our term that we call seasonally savvy. It's fall. It's kind of time to be looking at what we need to be doing in the fall Mm -hmm. to do what's best for the birds and to see the most birds in our backyard. Yeah, we're going to cover what does seasonally savvy really mean. John, like you're talking about, man, fall. Fall is such a great time. We're coming out of summer. We're transitioning into this new season, and the birds are in transition. Our yards are in transition. There's there's fun and crazy stuff like cash crazy birds, and maybe you still have some shaggy or just really disheveled looking birds. And what's all what's up with that? But you may also have no birds at all at different points and wonder what happened. What am I doing wrong? You know what? We're gonna cover that. And find out. Yeah, you're probably not doing anything wrong. I'll be the judge of that. No. (laughs) (laughs) All right, folks, stick around for the fun. Okay, Brian, it's fall for sure. Lots and lots of things going on in my yard. How about yours? Oh, for sure. It's always such a fun season. Uh, One of the things I'm always looking forward to, well, there's so many things I'm looking forward to, but (laughs) one of those are the the visitors that are coming through, our fall migrants as they're passing through. And I'm trying to always capture them in my yard long Mm -hmm. enough that I can Mm -hmm. get looks at them and not just looks, but close looks. Yeah. been having a blast you know that creek i talk about off and on that i'm that little no, man-made what, what, creek what creek's that <laughs> <laughs> haven't you been listening to these podcasts uh, i love that one because in fall uh we we capture warblers coming to that creek a lot of these little bouncy colorful birds that don't always come to foods that you put out but they love moving water and they like to bathe and drink and i've had like seven different species come to this little creek just outside of our kitchen window. And uh, I, I've been geeking out over it. My wife has really been enjoying it. Um, you know, I'm getting things like Blackburnian warbler and pine warbler, American red starts, northern parallels. Nice. nice. Tennessees. Now, two of the best are the bay-breasted warblers. And I've mm-hmm. had I had these two that keep coming in together. But... Um, my, my wife was super excited because she was the first one to see the black and white warbler come in and bathe and, and tell me about that. Because so many of these fall warblers, most of them have some yellow on them and they all look pretty much the same. But the black and white's pretty easy because I bet you can guess why. <laughs> <laughs> it's, so it's the old joke, what's black and white and red all over? No, no. <laughs> <laughs> so watching all these little warblers is fun, but it's also it's fun to hear them. Um, but even like the black and white warbler has kind of a squeaky wheel sound to it. It's kind of reminiscent of that. Otherwise, the rest of the warblers just have like little squeak notes that you you hear them do. So it's kind of neat. Yeah, you know, it's funny, Brian, because most of them are fairly quiet this time of year. But when you do get that one that stands out, it's like even more impactful this time of year than it is in the spring because it's a cacophony in the spring. There's so many things calling at the same time. But now... 
they're they're pretty quiet for the most part. So mm-hmm. when one does make a call or do a little song, it's uh, it it really does stand out. I know uh, had a bunch of you, uh, you and some of our other colleagues over late last week, and and uh, man, we had quite the show. It was a late afternoon. Uh, we were all out on the deck having a little yeah. meeting and get together. And uh, the warblers, many of the ones that you named coming to your water feature, were coming through mm-hmm. my backyard, and it was, and it was on top of warblers. We had uh, thrushes, and we had a, a swainson. Oh, that was so and, cool! And, yeah. and, and it was doing it, doing that little yeah call it does that little, little one note, note whistly note. Yeah, and boy, it just stood out. You know, knew immediately. Oh, swainsons! You know, that's very cool. But the and it was nice that it that, actually showed itself. <laughs> yeah, it had posed for us basically. All these, yeah. most of these birds did. It was pretty amazing. Mm-hmm. The highlight, the highlight for everybody though was Drum the Wilson's please. warbler. Yeah, oh, we that got Wilson's awesome, warbler, man. Yeah, awesome looks at a Wilson's warbler. But so, oh yeah, still some if you've bird, never seen bird. a Wilson's, that yeah. Wilson's is a nice yellow bird and has a black cap like a little beret. Yeah, and it's it's pretty much across North America. Uh, at some point <laughs> uh, from spring through through fall. But it's, it's not one of those that you see, you know, on a, on a real regular basis, like routine basis, like some of the other warblers coming through. So that, especially in my backyard, I think that yeah. may have been the second time. I think we did have it once before in the spring a couple of years ago. But I think that's the second time I've had one show up in my backyard. Oh, so yeah. That's, that's and your wife cool. was so excited. She came running out with the binoculars. <laughs> Where is it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that was cool. All right. Well, let's take a few seconds and take a look at what it means to be seasonally savvy. We've used that term a lot, and I think we've kind of explained it here and there in some of our other podcasts. But it's one of those reoccurring things that we're going to revisit on a, on a routine basis going into the different changing seasons quite often. Because it really is so important if you're a, if you're a person who loves nature in your backyard, if you love watching birds in your backyard, if you love feeding birds in your backyard, you can up the experience tremendously by being seasonally savvy. So let's take a few seconds and look at that. Being seasonally savvy is all about, are you doing your best for the birds? Are you changing with the birds and maybe changing up your feeding program, what you're doing in your yard uh, so that you're going to attract the greatest variety of birds and get the most fun out of this hobby of feeding the birds and, and just watching nature. You know, we talk about so many different things on the podcast and, you know, you mentioned fall and the leaves and how you get this transition and that could be like a, a whole nother podcast on, well, why do leaves change and why do they drop and you know, all the colorations and how do they know? But today we're talking about what you can do in your yard and what this whole seasonally savvy scenario is. And, um, you know, it's talking about my Creek and, and having that Creek in fall and to capture these different migrants coming through, uh, is really fun. And one of the fun things oh, that we, oh, 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 oh. Literally hummingbird right out my window. Sweet. I'm serious. It's there right here at my feeder right outside. I'm sorry, Brian. I didn't mean to interrupt there, dude, but literally, no. literally, That's I'm not awesome. kidding. It's right here. And here it is first week of October and I've still got a hummingbird. That's amazing. That's excellent. So, it's the late ones. Yeah, it's the last yeah. of the ones coming yeah. through. And that's cool. what we do. We celebrate all these <laughs> birds. It's so much fun. Sorry. I didn't mean to, but just had to share. Oh, and I love that. I mean, <laughs> sharing sharing about the hummingbirds coming through. I was I was helping with a bird walk this last weekend, and uh, 
someone was saying, oh, I haven't had any hummingbirds anymore. They seem to all be gone. I said, don't take down your feeders yet. Those last of of the hummingbirds will still be coming through, through the Midwest, through October. And you can still capture them. I mean, we've got, we've got folks in our predominant listening uh, focus throughout North America, uh, that they're, some of some folks don't ever take down their hummingbird feeders because they get hummingbirds year round. Some of them move in and out, but then you got like in the Pacific Northwest, you got hummingbirds that are there. So many more staying there for the oh, winter. Yeah. yeah, and that's one of those seasonally savvy things of make sure Absolutely. your hummingbird feeder stays up, stays fresh with the nectar because you never know who's going to show up. Yeah, and D- those... different people are are doing different things these days. I mean, we, mm-hmm. our traditional advice when people have asked us over the over the years, if not decades, has been to leave it up at least two weeks after you see the last hummingbird. So keep right. it up at least two weeks from the last time you saw a hummingbird on the feeder. It's a great rule of thumb. And and the nice part is, you not only do you get to see a glimpse of a hummingbird, maybe what would feel like out <laughs> of season, but you know what's helping them. They're getting that that little food source. Uh, yeah, one of my favorite foods to put out, especially in fall, would be variations of bark butter mm-hmm. uh, because it's so high in fat and proteins. And you can you have different things where you can there's a spreadable bark yeah. butter like you could put it on a tree trunk or um, or a feeder or something else um, in your yard. But then there are also these bark butter bits, which are little like suet balls. Um, Little nuggets for the birds. And they're great. I get all sorts of activity on those. And I love watching those birds come in and eat them and know they're getting that food bump. Uh, and I get to watch them. Yeah. So yeah. really cool. Yeah. But then there's that the other scenario. Those birds that aren't migrating through, but they're like something you talk about being cash crazy. Yeah. that's <laughs> Is that dollar and bill? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Right. Yeah, you know, I got a great story on this, Brian, because I, I, the the chickadees and the titmice and the nuthatches have been going crazy at my house over the last probably 10 days. Just a constant stream of activity to my hopper feeder. And, and these guys love to, 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 you know, in the shell uh, seeds as opposed to like a no mess with a, the, yeah. you know, out of the shell. Because they, they take these things and they hide them. And what they're doing in caching is literally building up their winter food supply. By taking seeds now and stashing them one at a time in some crevice inside of a tree or underneath a rock or underneath the shingles on your house or in your siding. Or, and one of the great story part is you, you, you've seen my house. You were over here a couple of days ago. And, you know, one of the things that we did this last spring is to demonstrate to some folks on a video you and I shot about mm-hmm. the uh, brush piles. Yeah. That I've made around my yard. And, and guess what? <laughs> Over the weekend, guess where those chickadees were hiding those seeds? <laughs> no way. They were using the brush piles? <laughs> it was That's so funny excellent. to watch them coming and going and coming. And they're finding a little place underneath the the, 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 the uh, cross pieces of the, of the you know, branches and stuff to hide those seeds. So that was, that was pretty funny. Kick <laughs> That's amazing. That. If I was a chickadee, I would not be hiding seeds in a brush pile. No, it's because probably good so competition. Because so many different birds yeah. use the brush pile. <laughs> not to mention a few rodents and everything else. So. Uh, right. <laughs> Maybe, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. I love the caching and watching all these different birds, you know, the jays and the titmice and the chickadees and the nuthatches and, and everyone coming in grabbing that seed and hiding it somewhere. One of the cool parts is most of those birds are hiding it somewhere within your yard or maybe a neighbor's yard. They don't really go that far for caching it. 
now jays yeah they'll they'll go a long way (laughs) jays are the distance they're the marathon cashers they will go the distance and you know sometimes up to two miles away yeah Yeah. which is mind-boggling and it's pretty much all the jay species are caching so it's it's really cool yeah, you and I watched them. The, the Jay, I love the Jays, and Jays. I, we we talk about this before, I'm sure. And you know, peanuts are one of the really fun. If you've never fed peanuts, oh, they're Jays one of the and most... peanut radar, right? <laughs> <laughs> they go absolutely. I don't know what it is. You can take peanuts in the shell, peanuts, and put them out on a tray, and you're going to have blue jays there within ten minutes. It's just, it's like they absolutely have, like you're it's saying, crazy. radar for for peanuts and and. You and I watch, they, they, and they don't just do peanuts. Mm-hmm. They do other they seeds. Like, and yeah, it, black it's oil, a, sunflower. Yeah, black oil. Striped and sunflower. You and I, years ago, were in my office, and I had a hopper feeder outside the window there and had black oil sunflower seed in it. Mm-hmm. And you and I sat there and noticed that the blue jays were coming in and just sitting there gobbling seed oh, after seed so after cool. seed after seed to take them and fly away, whether it was a mile away or two miles away, and cache them. In their case, they put them all in one location and, and cover them up or bury them or hide them or whatever it might be. And so you and I started counting. Yeah. And and, and, and it was like, and literally, you and I, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, seven, yeah. And I'd read somewhere that they could do like 100 sunflower seeds at a time. And you and I, in multiple counts, mm-hmm. we were between 90, 95, close to 100 almost yep. every single time. It was amazing to watch. It's so cool. And it's and it's an interesting behavior because as they go after the seeds, you think, holy cow, they're just swallowing those things whole, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, but that's that's what it looks like. But what they're really doing is they're not swallowing them into their stomach. Uh, there's something called the crop uh, that is right before the stomach. And you can see it in their throat because mm-hmm. their Big throat bulge. just starts to get bigger <laughs> and bigger as they add more seeds to it. And it's so cool to watch how that throat just expands. Um, it's almost like watching an Adam's apple or something just get yeah, bigger and bigger yeah. on someone's throat. Yeah, you probably remember I, I as a little program prop, <laughs> I thought, well, that was yes. a pretty cool thing. 100, 100 sunflower seeds. What would that look like? So I, I took a plastic bag, a thin plastic bag, and put 100 sunflower seeds and tied it off. And it really is just about the size of an oversized acorn. And it's yeah, just, oversized it's, acorn or just yeah, yeah. small and walnut. So you you can yeah. just visualize the lump that it would put in their crop in their throat, and it, it was the perfect little prop to say, yeah, a hundred sunflower seeds, black oil sunflower seeds is very doable for a blue jay. So very neat. Oh yeah, for sure. Uh, so it's really simple just to put out certain foods, being seasonally savvy to attract the different behaviors of different species and get them to come in closer and be able to watch that and have so much fun with that. You know, one of the things we've talked about in, in numerous episodes is, is again, habitat and all the different kinds of native plants that you can put out. And of course, oh, yeah. we love it because it provides insects for our insect-eating birds. It provides nectar for our hummingbirds. But this time of year, it provides seed for our seed-eating birds. And unfortunately, the, the natural, <laughs> and I confess, I'm, I'm a guy who likes things neat and clean and orderly. <laughs> so I, I, oh, I, yes. I've had to really 
control myself and change my ways in regards to deadheading or, you know, you, you, you have the end of the season and you've had these beautiful wildflowers and now they look like all these dead skeletons and uh, just, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. but resist the urge, resist the urge and leave those seed heads from those wildflowers right where they're at. You know, John, I changed my perspective on that a while back. I see those, those, skeletons of stalks mm-hmm. with seeds on them and i think they're they're little miniature bird feeders yeah <laughs> <laughs> that's not that doesn't look ugly those are little natural bird feeders which that's actually exactly they, what they are they yeah. really are yeah yeah you Excellent. know th- there's another thing about being neat and tidy and and fall is a great time where everyone loves to pull out all of the the nice machinery for their yard and you just hear each weekend as everyone's blowing their <laughs> leaves everywhere, right? Yeah. Oh, geez. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but if you look, you know, changing that perspective and being seasonally savvy and looking at your leaves in your yard, any leaves that you can leave in your yard, the benefit of that is natural foods like caterpillars that mm-hmm. over they mm-hmm. overwinter in leaf layer. And if you can leave some, even if it's just a corner of your yard, or maybe it's um, flower beds, leave um, lots of leaves up in there. That's going to let all sorts of different caterpillars pupate up in there over winter and be a food source uh, for the birds. Uh, Some will actually go foraging through there, but then also when they emerge in the spring. Well, you, you and I are going to talk about uh, sparrows on our next episode. And one of our yeah. favorite things to watch is the song Sparrows, doing the song Sparrows Samba, as I affectionately call it. Where it's, <laughs> well, I always appreciate that. watching you demonstrate the song Sparrows <laughs> Samba, too. <laughs> but they, you know, a lot of leaves, and that's exactly what they're doing. They're looking for seeds mm-hmm. down in the leaf litter, maybe even yeah. a few insects here and there. But they, they do this little skip hop, and they, they, they rake the leaves with their feet to get down mm-hmm. underneath the leaves to see what's down there to eat. So that's a perfect example of why those leaves are, you know, important and the fact that there's a lot of food available to the birds and they know how to get it. <laughs> right. We haven't really talked a whole lot except for bark butter about and a little bit about peanuts, but a lot about mm-hmm. the foods, you know, the the, the bird feeding. What, what, what do I need to change up this time of year? In regards to meeting the needs of my birds and the changing variety of birds. and What's that food? It's millet. It's absolutely millet. Yep. Millet yep. And it, with a ground feeder. Oh, yeah. I, in fact, this last year, I added a second ground feeder to my yard because I started, I'm getting more and more of these sparrows coming in and i can't wait till that next episode where we're going to really dig into our spectacular yeah. sparrows and just how cool they are and so many little fun facts and and attracting them in and millet really is an amazing food to be seasonally savvy with as you now move into fall and winter and you it, to, the best way to capture a lot of these birds is to have that food out now Absolutely. especially as they're going to start migrating back in because they're going to be looking where can i find a good food source so if with the caching out. going on, yeah. So yeah. with the caching going on, I'm, I, again, I, I'm one that I, I'm very traditional in the sense of I've got my hopper. It's my foundational feeder. It's out, you know, every single day. I keep mm-hmm. it filled every single day. It is the one tried and true feeder. This is in my yard that the birds know about and going to come to over and over again. And that's where I've got in the shell uh, seeds, a blend this time of year, nice. like a Supreme or Deluxe blend. 
for my my caching birds and boy the activity level there is just through the roof uh you know we're gonna put millet start mixing a little millet mm-hmm. maybe a deluxe type seed that has a little bit of millet in there so that when you know our juncos start showing back up and that type of thing they're ready to go uh i will probably put some additional high fat high protein stuff out uh you know as it starts cooling off i'm gonna mm-hmm. i'm gonna you know make sure that we have plenty of high fat uh, suets and and suet cylinders and that type of thing out in the yard to attract all the woodpeckers and again nice. a lot of our other woodland yep. birds so it, there is a lot you can do and, and there's a couple of things that we haven't talked about yet brian and i know you already mentioned water mm-hmm. uh, in your yard with your with your stream but you know having that water ready to go and and uh, ready to go through the winter is is an important thing that you can get ready for right now why nest boxes in the fall? And yeah, one of our coworkers reached out and said, oh my goodness, you know the, those bluebird boxes I put in the yard this year and we had that one bluebird family enjoy it. Uh, I've got like six bluebirds checking out a box right now. Mm-hmm. Just last week they're saying, what's going on? Why are the, are, are they going to nest again? You know, are they confused? No, they're actually checking out boxes for next spring because they're going to remember where those are and so they're they're basically they're scouting out the housing right now getting ready to put in put in an offer for springtime but uh they may also <laughs> you know this crazy housing market they have a had. pre-approved loan of course that's too. right <laughs> <laughs> but they may also use it over the winter as a winter roost to get out of the weather which is really nice so yeah. if you if any put up a nest box now um, and then, or if you have nest boxes, now's a perfect time. Clean them out. But then I always like, I know, John, you do this too. You get some um, dried grasses and make a little, mm-hmm. kind of a, a little soft base yeah. in the bottom of the, the nest boxes. And if nothing else, it just makes us feel good that we're, we're putting a nice soft thing in there for them to <laughs> entice them. Hey, you know, I got a nice little space to get out of the weather. I'd, I'd like you. to think it maybe helps a little bit with insulating and, and right, that right. type of thing. But yeah, but you're right. It's probably just makes us feel good, but. so maybe you're wondering what nest boxes i should put in my yard well the best things to do are make sure those nest boxes have a few really important things like they're they're thick enough materials for good insulation uh, but they also have the right entrance hole sizes for the birds you want they have good drainage inside there Uh, the inside cavities the right space for the birds, you know, yeah, because a wren likes a smaller space, a bluebird likes a bigger space, a chickadee likes a smaller space. So you got different options. You know, the best bet, uh, connect with your local Wild Birds Unlimited store. The certified bird feeding specialists there have all the knowledge you need for your local area. They'll be able to take care of you. Yeah, it really is important to make sure because when you start providing nesting boxes, you want to make sure that you really, truly are zeroed in on exactly what's going to be the best thing for the birds that are coming to your backyard and and that you actually have the best chance to attract. So good advice. So, Brian, (laughs) (laughs) how about your goldfinches? (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Tons of goldfinches. Of course, they are going through molt right now, big time. Their males are are losing that beautiful lemon and yellow and black, um, you know, plumage that they've had all summer long. And mm-hmm. now they're just kind of this drab grayish green and they're mottled. They're in the middle of the molt. So they're 
But because of that, they have the need for a tremendous amount of protein. You know, as we've said in many of our episodes, mm-hmm. feathers are like 90% protein. And so when they're going through a big molt like this, and this is this is the complete molt for 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 goldfinches. They're gonna they're gonna replace every single feather on their body during this molt. So tremendous demand yeah. for protein. That's Therefore, where I like they, the uh, the idea of complete molt. They're completely yeah. molting all yeah, their feathers. Absolutely. Yeah. And so they are all over. I don't know about you, but they're all over my feeders. I actually put up a second uh, finch blend feeder uh, this weekend because there's so many of them coming around and mm-hmm. they're all over these feeders. So uh, demand oh, for yeah. good food is is right there right now for the goldfinch. Oh, for sure. And some as we're transitioning out that late summer, um, you've got the goldfinches that are molting. You've got a few other birds that are also finishing their molt. So they might look really shaggy or mottled. Um, the American goldfinch is a just a spectacular mm-hmm. example of that because they go from such that beautiful coloration to this nice dull camouflage kind of coloration, um, which also makes me think about a lot of times we get questions like, where did all my birds go? And a lot of times people think, Oh, the American goldfinches, they're gone. They're not even at my feeders, but then there are these little weird sparrows or <laughs> something that show up. Well, take a, take a closer look because if you have American goldfinches that stay year round in your, in your area, then all they did was change to their winter plumage. They've changed their winter coat and yeah. Um, yeah. So they might still be there. Um, so just keep an eye on that. But yeah. then, you know, you get into lesser goldfinches or Lawrence's goldfinches. They keep that beautiful coloration even into the winter <clears> time. But they're still molting as well. They're just keeping that beautiful coloration as a winter coat as well. So sometimes maybe you don't have any birds coming to your feeder. So, John, what's up with that, especially in fall? Am I doing something wrong? Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> You know, there's lots of different explanations, as you well know, Brian. There's lots of different explanations. Uh, I have to honestly say that, that there are certain birds that you can almost predict, and that's goldfinches are one of them. You know, they'll, they'll, they'll like right now, I'm covered up in goldfinches three weeks and from I'm now. And I'm not. Yeah. I have like two. Yeah. You've got all my goldfinches. Yeah. And three weeks <laughs> from now, I could have no goldfinches. They're very nomadic. They move around yeah. from food source to food source. So, you know, I could freak out and, oh, my God, the seed's bad or something's wrong or whatever it might be. When the reality is it's just that type of behavior. They move around a lot uh, and they seek out different food sources. And this time of year, especially like goldfinches, keep on the goldfinch theme, you know, there's a ton a ton of natural food supply out there mm-hmm. for them. You think of all, we talked about deadheading the native plants around our house. You just think of all the native plants out there and, and all the habitat. I mean, I, I've seen tremendous in all my years of, of being in the in the profession, the amount of, of uh, land that has been turned into natural habitats in our parks and the yeah. number of reserves and, and, and uh, sanctuaries that have been de- developed in the last 20 or 30 years huge amounts of native food and and so many people are using natives and even corporations i I drive around and you look at these office parks and stuff and it's amazing how many of them are using black-eyed susans and and coneflowers and all kinds of native plants so many cases and not just goldfinches with all that natural food but many of our other birds i mean right now is the most abundant food time of the year you've got acorns and nuts and walnuts and and we talked about the 
dogwoods. We talked, yeah, yeah, we talked about the fruiting plants, the dogwoods, and the, and the different varieties of dogwoods, and the crab apples, and, and you know, the hawthorns. There's just a ton of natural food. So, you know, again, bird feeding is, for the most part, supplemental. And if birds have mm-hmm. a really good natural food supply, uh, in many cases, they're going to take advantage of that. And they're going to use that up and, and before they come back to our feeders uh, in any kind of numbers. So you're not doing anything wrong. Just keep that food out there. Keep putting the foods out. Uh, one of the things I always talk about is our woodpeckers. Mm-hmm. You know, I consider our woodpeckers the the true blue loyal backyard birds. <laughs> they almost always come. There are very few things that, that pull the, the food supply regardless whatever. They are reliable as any bird coming to our feeders can be. And so keep keep feeding those those woodpeckers, keep the suet out there, keep the bark butter out, keep the other things that your uh, your woodpeckers come to and uh, and keep your hopper keep your foundational feeder, that one feeder that you always keep keep that going and uh, you will have birds at your feeders in no time. Brian, I think we're about as savvy as we're going to get this season. So I think it's about time to wrap it up. Well, I'm glad everyone joined us today. And I really hope that you've got some great tips to change some things up in your yard to really enjoy the birds you know, coming out of late summer, moving into fall. Yeah, being seasonally savvy and changing it up to really enjoy them. So please rate and review us. We love hearing about those. We want to understand how are we doing and where should we be taking this? Absolutely. And please join us next time. As you've already heard, we're going to talk about spectacular. Yes, there are spectacular sparrows. But until then, Brian and I are going to let nature be our guide. And we ask that you please take care and be safe. Thanks for joining us, everyone. Thanks for listening to this episode of Nature Centered. To subscribe to this podcast, for show notes, or to connect with the Wild Birds Unlimited store nearest you, visit wbu.com slash podcast. Until we meet again, take some time to relax, enjoy the birds, get out in your backyard, and stay nature-centered.